You know it's April Fool's Day. You all thought maths was supposed to start at seven o'clock. 7.10. No, I apologize for the, the late uh, start to mass. Uh, we were just uh, dotting I's and crossing T's about the procedure uh, tonight with our servers. But aren't we a bunch of fools to be here tonight, to believe to what looks like bread and wine and tastes like bread and wine? is truly Jesus' body, blood, soul, and divinity. Aren't we a bunch of fools to believe that Jesus Christ is God and that he became flesh and he taught and suffered and died and rose again? How, how ridiculous is that? You know, you come to the church and everything's ready. I don't know how, whether you appreciate how much work has gone in to prepare the church for tonight's mass and we've got an even more solemn one on Easter Vigil. A lot of work, hours and hours of work have gone in, uh, not just by me, but other people too, to uh, make sure that this mass is ready. And as I was coming from the house, I was going backwards and forwards for this thing, this thing and that thing. I was thinking, if this isn't true, I really am a fool. <laughs> Why am I doing this? I'm doing it because it's true. All this is worth it. All the effort made to make sure that our church is beautiful today. The, the practice, the effort the servers have made to practice their parts. And God forgives us if we get a few things, make a few mistakes tonight because we're here out of love. The music, you have made the effort to come here tonight. It's all worth it. And there is a ceremonial which we are observing, which is, is traditional. This has been done for a long time. And we keep doing it, and we will keep doing it, and the church will keep doing it until the Lord comes again. Because there will always be some fools for Christ on this earth. That's what St. Paul called himself, I'm a fool for Christ. And readily, I'm happy to be called a fool. And maybe you've been called a fool, you know, for, for believing what we believe and doing what we believe. The church will continue doing this as long until Christ comes again. And there will always be people joining this band of fools. Uh, here, there are people here tonight who will be baptized at the Easter Vigil. Even though the world seems to be walking away from Christ, people still come to us, to our church here in Cottage Grove, Our Lady Perpetual Help and St. Philip Benizi. They come here. Sometimes they've been invited. Sometimes they come, I don't know how they come. God's providence, they come. They've come to be baptized or to be received into the ch church, having been baptized in another ecclesial communion, or to complete their Christian initiation, for, which maybe for some reason they, you know, they, they didn't get confirmation when they were, were young. Well, they get it now. People are constantly joining us. There's one particular fool, apart from me, on the sanctuary today, uh, a foolish young man uh, called Andrew Kelly. 
who is a seminarian. He's actually from Oregon, but he went to Gonzaga University and fell in with a bad crowd there from Spokane and went and offered himself as a seminarian for the Diocese of Spokane. Uh, so let's, make, let's uh, make this, well, you won't get to meet him probably because it's not that kind of night where we have fellowship with one another. Uh, he'll be here at the Easter Vigil as well. Um, but uh, how, how we would love him to, uh, to switch and be a priest in, in Western Oregon. But that's, that's God's call and for his discernment. He's not foolish because he's a candidate for Spokane. He's a fool because he wants to be a priest. <laughs> wants to join us. Pray, pray that there be many more uh, like him and pray for our seminarians. I'm offering this mass tonight for our archbishop, for all the priests of the archdiocese and our seminarians. And I'll include Andrew uh, in, that, in that intention tonight. And why not add vocations to the priesthood? Many, some, may, maybe some of our young boys in the sanctuary today might, might consider that possible call to be a priest. We celebrate this central mystery uh, tonight of the institution of the Eucharist and along with it the institution uh, of the priesthood and the commandment of love, fraternal love. The institution of the Eucharist which we heard uh, recounted by St. Paul in, uh, in his letter to the uh, Corinthians uh, that he received from the Lord himself and which he in turn handed on. The account of the institution of the Eucharist is contained in the three synoptic gospels, Matthew, Mark, and Luke. It is not included in the Gospel of John, perhaps because he thought, well, they've already, the others have already covered that. But St. Paul makes a point of telling us what he received from the Lord, which is fully in accordance with what the other gospels say. That on the night he was betrayed, our Lord took bread and said, this is my body, which is for you. And this is, my, this is the cup of my blood which will be poured out for you. And here's the institution of the Eucharist. Whenever you do this, do it in memory of me. I want you to do this for as long as the world exists and, be, and until I come again. Before the changes in the liturgy, the, the reading extended a little bit. And I think it's important that we hear these words because now with the new liturgy, these words, you never hear them in the Mass. After what we've read tonight, for as often as you shall eat this bread and drink this chalice, you shall show the death of the Lord until he come. St. Paul goes on, and this is what you would read if you were, went to a traditional Latin Mass tonight. Therefore, whosoever shall eat this bread or drink the chalice of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and of the blood of the Lord. But let a man prove himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of the chalice. For the, he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh judgment to himself, not discerning the body of the Lord. It's such a beautiful thing to be able to receive the body and blood, soul and divinity of our Lord, but it's a very serious thing as well. We should not dare to receive it if we are unworthy in that technical sense. We all know we're unworthy. But should we be conscious of mortal sin and not have confessed it and received absolution? We should not approach for this sacrament because it is not to eternal life for us, but it is to judgment and condemnation 
And remember that St. Paul received this from the Lord Jesus. I have heard over the last couple of years since I've been here, and this is not to doubt the zeal of my predecessors and their dedication to the priesthood, but I've heard that this parish has been taught that you do not need to go to confession, that a general absolution is good enough, and I, I gather there were reconciliation services in which general absolution was given and individual confession was not required. But that's an error. And I find myself having to teach, and you feel like against that in some way, try to undo this false teaching that is being given to my parishioners. The only normal way of having one's sins forgiven, mortal sins forgiven, is by going to confession. And if you don't go to confession and you receive Holy Communion unworthily, what does St. Paul go on to tell us? There are many infirm, and therefore are there many infirm and weak among you, and many sleep. But if we would judge ourselves, we should not be judged. So you go into confession is where we judge ourselves. We examine our conscience and we judge ourselves so that we would not be judged. But the reception of Holy Communion unworthily makes us weak. It does not strengthen us. If we, receive, if we try to receive Holy Communion worthily, as worthily as we can, we will be strong Christians. We will be strong Catholics. And our numbers will increase. And you will be strengthened in virtue. We all sin. I sin. If I didn't have the sacrament of confession, I don't know what I would do. I could not be with you tonight because it would, be a, it would be judgment upon me if I dared to approach the altar in a state of mortal sin. Thank goodness for confession. Thank God, and he gave it to us. He gave us seven sacraments, not six. He gave us seven. And the Lord doesn't do anything superfluous. Everything he does is required. So please, if you are laboring under that misapprehension that you do not need to go to confession, please take it from me that you're in error. You need to go to confession. And the church requires us at a very minimum to go to Holy Communion once a year, because that's the minimum by which we can maintain ourselves in communion with Christ and with the church, and to go to uh, at Easter or thereabouts, and to go to confession once a year. At least once a year, but that's a minimum. You know, when our Lord washed the feet of his disciples and Peter said, you wash my feet? Yes. I have to wash your feet because some, that not all of you are clean. It was a sign that there was the need for that washing and purification. And if we want to be free, if we want to be as, perf as, as perfectly prepared as possible, let's not just keep it to being free from mortal sin, but also venial sin as well. Let's try and make ourselves as pure as possible for the reception of Holy Communion. Now, that doesn't mean that you should not receive Holy Communion if you think, oh, I'm not worthy enough. 
I mean, receive Holy Communion if you're conscious of venial sin and you know you're not worthy. And get to confession, of course, about those things as well. You can be scrupulous, you know, there can be scruples which prevent you from receiving Holy Communion. When the Lord wants you to receive Holy Communion because you need that strength, but you have judged yourself already. So that communion is not a, not, not a judgment to you. Then we will be strengthened. Our Lord washed the feet of his disciples at the Last Supper. And there was another time when feet were washed, just the week before uh, the, uh, the, the, the Last Supper. When our Lord was in the house of Mary and Bethany and Lazarus, uh, and um, Lazarus was at table, Mary, uh, so Martha was busy serving. We know Judas was there because he was scandalized when a certain woman, Mary of Bethany, poured 300 days worth, wages worth of expensive ointment, spikenard, upon Jesus, upon his feet, and then washed Jesus' feet with her tears and wiped them uh, with her hair. And the scandal caused to Judas elicited this response from our Lord, because he said this money should have been sold, this ointment should have been sold and money given to the poor. You, you will have the poor with you always, but you will not always have me. And what this woman has done is for my burial. And I think that our Lord washing the feet of the apostles was somehow preparing them for burial as well. Preparing them for martyrdom. Preparing them for, to die to themselves so that they would give themselves totally and exclusively and without reserve to their ministry as priests and bishops. To their brothers and sisters. When our Lord told them, what I have done to you, you now must do to one, do to one another. This above all applies to, to the priests who are called to serve their brothers and sisters, to give their lives wholeheartedly. In effect, we, we, in a sense, we have already been prepared for burial. Life doesn't mean anything to us. This is perhaps why you know, priests are less afraid, generally, of things going on that might put their lives in danger. Um, because they've already died to themselves. Uh, and they're, they're prepared to go, should be anyway, prepared to go to martyrdom. There's that washing by our Lord, if you like, of our feet. But the feet also represent what is worldliness. They touch the earth. It represents earthly thinking. And we have to um, purify ourselves of an earthly, a worldly way of thinking so that we think in a more heavenly way. We have to be cleansed from those uh, aspects of sin in our lives which tie us to the world and prevent us living a heavenly life. There is, of course, the obvious lesson of serving one another. There is that practical lesson, but there's always a spiritual lesson behind these things that our Lord uh, does and teaches, and maybe that's something we can take away. Our catechumens will be washed in baptism at the Easter Vigil and cleansed of all their sins without the need to go to confession after I've spoken so much about confession. They don't need to go. 
uh, and they'll be reminded to keep that state that garment that is placed on them free from stain yeah well we know that everybody sins so they'll they'll need to get inside that that room sooner or later all right if they're to continue receiving communion worthily for what a beautiful gift that they will receive when they are washed and they will also die they will be buried with Christ in the waters of baptism to rise again. And they will be anointed. We have in front of us today the oils which Archbishop Sample blessed and consecrated on Monday at the Chrism Mass. The oil of the sick is the nearest one, so that those who are sick may be strengthened. Again, an essential sacrament. They'll be strengthened by the anointing of the priest with, with, the, with, the, with the oil. Then there's the oil of the catechumens, by which those who are to be baptized are prepared, and they also re receive a strengthening and a protection from the evil one. There's a kind of exorcism that goes along with the anointing of the oil of catechumens. And then finally, the oil of chrism, which will be placed upon them when they are confirmed. Priests also are anointed with the oil of chrism. Bishops are anointed with the oil of chrism. And our altar was anointed with the oil of chrism. And I don't know, but it, the rite of dedicating a church includes anointing the church with chrism as well. I don't know whether that happened here. So we're all anointed. And by receiving communion today, we become one with Christ. And that evil one is cast out. Just as our Lord, when, he, you know, when, when our Lord was taken into Egypt as a child by Joseph and Mary, it is said that all the gods... Uh, were, all the idols came crashing down. Just as we were read in the account of the Passover in Exodus, the reading from Exodus tonight, that at the Passover, when the angel of death came, not only the firstborn of all the Egyptians, but all the false gods were cast down as well. And so we become one with Christ. We can't do the washing of the feet this year because of the restrictions that are placed upon us. But let us not neglect to live this beautiful lesson of love, that we love one another, that we physically or even or, or metaphorically at least wash the feet uh, of our brothers and sisters serving the poor uh, and rededicating our hearts to God. Let's give thanks particularly for the gift of the priesthood. Please pray for all of us priests that we may be faithful uh, and, um, and ready to lay out our lives down uh, for you at the body of Christ.